each week the past couple of weeks we've had a member of a leader from Saints Community Church come up and, and give us a little welcome. The first week was Jen DeGear, one of the elders. Last week was Pastor Wayne. And this week it is an honor and a privilege to introduce my friend, my neighbor, an amazing cook, an Enneagram expert, and the youth pastor of Saints Community Church, Pastor Justin Lyles, is going to come up and give you a greeting this morning. Give him up. Come on. Give it up. Thank you, Pastor. Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. Uh, my name is Justin Lyles. Uh, unfortunately, my wife couldn't be here with us today. She is running the Christmas program over at North Leicester. I did bring my two little ones there in your kids' area, hanging out, terrorizing your kids' workers, so you'll get to meet them a little later on. Um, and so, a little bit about me. I'm, I'm from Texas, um, and when people meet me, they always ask me this, Pastor. They always say, what are you? And I know what they're asking. They're, they're asking, what ethnicity are you? I, I get Middle Eastern, nothing wrong with that, but I'm not Middle Eastern. I get Asian, I'm not Asian, nothing wrong with that. But I'm actually Hispanic, and so, uh, Pastor, you said it, uh, I love to cook. So if you like Mexican food, love to have you over and cook for you. So, yeah, I thought I'd get a little more applause. Okay, all right. Uh, I'll cook for those of you that are applauding. How about that? Um, well, listen, uh, I just wanted to share something really quick and put a thought in front of you that was kind of on my heart as we head into this merge, and that's, I want you to just for a moment, consider this merge process through the eyes of an unbeliever, and what they might be seeing, and through what they might be witnessing, and through what they might be hearing, and what they might be seeing demonstrated in front of them. Quick story about me, I grew up in Abilene, Texas. Now what you need to know about Abilene, Texas, is that I don't know if it's still true, but I know at one point we were in the Guinness Book of World Records for having the most churches per capita. I'm talking church on every street corner, uh, everywhere you looked. And I remember every Wednesday, the youth pastors would come into the schools to have lunch with the students. And here's what I would always see that would put me off when it came to Christianity. Because I didn't grow up in church. I came into faith around 15 or 16. And I would see youth pastors almost try to poach other students and ask questions of students that were already in churches like, well, how's your pastor's preaching? Well, does he, does he come and see you when you're sick? And are they feeding you well over there? And are they really caring for you? Can you imagine, married women in the room, what it would look and feel like if a woman came to your husband and said, how is she feeding you? she taking care of you okay? How is she treating you? Wouldn't that be so almost off-putting? And as an unbeliever, it left a, a very bad taste in my mouth when it came to church and Christianity and religion altogether. And... And I just want to say this because I've been so encouraged by this process. I've been so encouraged by your leaders through your pastor. I've been so encouraged. Even this morning, just the warmth is a word that I would use to describe it. Um, the welcoming um, handshakes and hugs from, from even people here in this morning. And John 13 verse 35 says it this way. You will prove to the world that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. And I have felt that so deeply in my heart and in my spirit. And I just want to just leave you with this thought. It, what's happening here is speaking volumes to a community out there. And when they think of Christianity, will they think of something that, that can't work together, that's territorial, that's defensive? Or will they see a group of people that are willing to come together for the mission and the vision of the gospel, reaching more people? And I'm so, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to get to know some of you and, and feed you and hang out with you and host you. And um, I'd love to meet you uh, before you head back home to your Christmas activities today. So thank you so much. Appreciate it.
love you, man. You keep your eye on this, and, and forgive me for sounding old, Justin, this young man, because uh, I tell you what, we, you ha- not only are we being blessed and God is doing this, but we are getting some of the top quality leaders and communicators in this region, and Justin is one of them. He's, you know, he, here's, how, here's how you know you've arrived. When Chris Buckle listens to your sermons while he's running, then you've made it. You've made it. So you arrived, man. That's good. Anyway. Hey, do me a favor and slap your neighbor upside the head, please. All right. I just want to know if y'all awake this morning because I need to get up. One thing I'll preach is needs a little feedback. So let us know. I just want to know that y'all are here. Are you here this morning? Yeah. All right. Because for every person that doesn't say, respond, I'm going to add five minutes to my message, okay? <laughs> I knew it. I knew it would get you up. No, I'm just kidding. We love you. We're so glad that you're here. And we're so glad for, for those of you, family and friends that have visited from out of town and come in. And it's just an honor to have you in the house this morning. Again, I cannot stress enough. I know I'm repeating myself but just the, the whole idea of all hands on deck the next couple of weeks. Um, we're not asking you to leave your family Christmas outings or skip vacation. We're not saying that. We're just saying if you just can block out a little bit of time in your schedule during these dates that we mentioned, please sign up in the, in the lobby. December 28th is important. It's a Saturday here. And then December 30th, uh, January 2nd, and January 3rd. Uh, over at Saints. And again, all those dates and details are on the sign-up sheet. Also, um, again, you know, you're like, do I announce this? But, you know, I just want to kind of prepare you, people who love donuts. You know, this is important for some of you. Some of you, this is going to be a huge letdown. But obviously, you can serve donuts uh, uh, for a certain size church. But when you double it kind of gets uh, a little bit difficult strategically to do. So when we move into the, the one church merge, we've talked about this with Roseanne, who kind of leads the cafe, and we, we just brainstormed, and, and really right now uh, we're not going to be able to serve donuts in, anymore in the cafe for the time being unless someone opens a donut shop and donates them, you know, if you want to do that. The Lord's speaking to you. Um, or Chick-fil-A or something, you know, just something like that, you know, if you have, if you work for a certain business or, um, <clears throat> and so we will have coffee and it will have, probably have some things for volunteers, but just, I just want you to know, be prepared to eat your donut January 5th before you come to church. Is that good? Is that all right? Okay. And if the Lord, you know, tells you to bring 20 dozen donuts, I mean, I'm not going to stop you, right? Pastor Justin, you're going to stop them from, from doing that? Okay, I like cake donuts. But anyway, um, that's going to happen when we, when we merge in January 5th. So you can, we'll continue to have coffee, but for the time being, we're no longer going to have that. Okay, good? All right, a lot of details, a lot of announcements. I know boring stuff, but let's get into God's Word this morning. We are so excited to continue our series... Uh, on wonder, on wonder. Do y'all know Christmas, just a reminder, Christmas is in three days. Three days. And as this Irish man said, where does the time go? You know, it just flies. It was like Thanksgiving, Christmas. And it's just amazing how, how many of you did all your shopping? You're done completely. All right. Good for the ten of you. The rest... Thank goodness for Amazon.com. 
and two-day shipping, which I believe is past. But we're wrapping up our series that we've been on the past couple of weeks called Awe and Wonder. Again, you know what to do right now. When you're in Awe and Wonder, what do you do? Open your mouth. Some of you, that, that's a yawn. You know, when you're in awe, you have that look of awe and that feeling of awe and wonder when you see or experience something that just brings you so much joy, unspeakable. And so we're looking at the awe and wonder that the Bible describes surrounding the, the first Christmas story, the birth of Jesus Christ. And I put this up there because this is a season, and we all know this, this is a season where we can get so caught up in the urgent or what we think is urgent, that we oftentimes miss the important. We get so caught up in the urgent of the holiday, we have to do this, I have to get this, I have to buy this, that we miss the important things. And we, we bake cookies, which are fine. We shop for gifts, which is fine. We have family gatherings, which are fine. There's nothing wrong with all the things we do during the holidays, But if we aren't careful, we can lose the awe and the wonder of why we celebrate Christmas in the first place. Now that we know there's a lot of people in the world that celebrate Christmas for the absolute wrong reasons. They just, it's a great holiday and they have no idea uh, why we celebrate it. But for the church, for Christians, for believers, we miss that. And even if you're not a believer this morning and you, and, you, and you say, there's just something special about the holidays. Man, the awe and wonder of what this holiday is about is something you don't want to miss. Amen? And so let's turn our eyes this morning to more of the Christmas story. In Luke chapter 2, verse 25 through 33, we're going to look at that part of the Christmas passage this morning. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. Excuse me, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him and had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Say Messiah. Very good. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus. Brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms. Can you imagine holding God? (laughs) And praise God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I could die happy. For my eyes have seen your salvation, literally, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Today I want to speak to you about, in the last part of our series, the awe and wonder of the Messiah, the reason for the season. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would help us get back, gain back the understanding of what this Messiah is all about and recapture the awe and wonder of who your son is. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you're at the doctor and in the back of your mind you're going, what grade did they get in med school? <laughs> How did they get to this place? Like, they, are they like Googling the answers for my diagnosis right now? You ever, you ever... 
It reminds me of this commercial. One of my favorite commercials right now is the AT&T commercial. It's the one where, uh, you know, the, the, the okay thing, you know, where the guy's sitting. There's a bunch of different ones, but there's a, a guy in the hospital bed, and he looks, his wife, the wife looks at the nurse and says, is this doctor any good? And, and she says, he, he's okay. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And the doctor walks in and says, hey, you nervous? And he goes, and he goes me too. He'll be all right. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I mean, is that okay with you? Don't you want someone that knows what they're doing? That someone that has the credential, someone that has, you know, that maybe got an A. A minus is okay, you know, in some classes, but that didn't just pass, but knew what they were doing enough to pass and to get the grade. Just okay is not okay when it comes to those kind of things, right? Truthfully, credentials are extremely important and not only for doctors don't you want your kids teachers to to know what they're doing don't you want the person at the barber shop I mean I I, I need the barber shop to, to have the credentials right I need them to be experts on hair right because it, I mean it could be disastrous so you want people that provide services for you to actually know what they're doing Right? And um, this is where credentials come in. See, credentials is really about credibility. You know, simply put, credentials can be many things. It can be a college degree. It can be apprenticeships. It can be certifications. It can be licenses that can give you credibility for your particular field of work. And, you know, sometimes, oftentimes, I think we all, all of us, if we're honest, have the same thoughts when it comes to our faith in Jesus. Now, you might not say it, but oftentimes we live in that tension of wondering, what are Jesus' credentials? Is he really credible? Again, you may not verbally say that, but you may feel that way, or you may live in that area of your life. And how many of you would say, you know, I'm good with an okay Messiah. It's all right. I, I, you know, I, I'm okay with an okay faith. I mean, that, it, it's gotten me this far. It's, it's comfortable. You know, sometimes our response to Jesus can seem as though we aren't really certain. We aren't 100% certain yet that he is who he says he is or that he's going to do what he promises he will do. I think we live that way. We, again, we may not speak it, but we live in that tension when it comes down to it. Oftentimes, the lights go down, the doors are locked, the music stops, the Christmas plays over, and we go home to reality. When church is over, we go back home to where we live most of the time. We don't live in this space. We live out there. And we go home, and we may often wonder... Is this faith in Christ thing really working out? And is it really worth it? If we're all honest. You know, when we are in the middle of a crisis, which I think if you breathe, you have a crisis moment, no matter what age you are. You know, if you own a business, you know what crisis moments are like when when you can't pay the bills or you have to fire someone or you're about to lose your uh, electricity because you couldn't afford that or another employee is giving you issues or, 
or that relationship issue is still not existing, or the exams, if your student is coming up and and you just live in that crisis mode and it feels like we're never going to make it through these crises. And they just keep compiling, don't they? When you get a flat and you fix it and then the engine goes out. I mean, it's just one thing after the next. And then if you're a follower of Jesus, if we're honest, we just pray. We throw them up there, hoping that some mechanic in the sky is going to fix it. That someone up there is listening. We're just hoping. We grew up in church. We, we do the religious thing. We go through the motions and we're just like, I hope. I'm just going to throw this prayer up in the air, in thin air, and hope it works out. I'm going to psych myself up to believe that there really is a God that cares about this kind of stuff. That cares about me and my issues. And there are different ways, I think, that we ask these questions on different levels of doubt we all face. In fact, I believe that there's some people in this room right now, there's different types of people that believe but wonder. You believe but you wonder. You believe that sometimes your mind often wonders to, is this all really true? Is this just some kind of fairy tale that my professor in college told me about years ago that the experts on the podcast and the TV, you know, is this really true and your circumstances make you doubt that God cares for you? Anybody? You doubt God's goodness? You doubt his love? You miss that Christmas feeling that you once had and it just is gone? And you wonder, is, is he really there? I believe, but sometimes I do wonder. Is that you? You know, there are some people maybe that wonder how anyone could believe. It's oftentimes in these spaces, Christmas, Easter, these holidays, when you're forced to come to church, right? Then you're sitting there going, well, how did I get here? Why am I here? These people, these religious fanatics are nuts. This whole Jesus thing is nonsense. You, you, you come to things because you're dragged into them or because, you know, you feel guilty. And so I got to go get my church on a couple of times a year. And, I'm, and, and, you know, maybe you live in that space. This whole thing is a farce to me. And then there's another group of people that wonder if it's possible to ever believe again. I was there once. I had it, but it's gone. I don't know if I'll ever be able to get it back. Why try? God can't forgive me. I've messed up too much. I'm not worthy, and I don't know if I can do it. And you used to have that faith, that strong faith, but you wonder, can I ever go there again? And then there's some of you that are somewhere in the middle of all this. You know, maybe your faith is there, but it's not strong enough to guide your actions. I got faith, but I'm just, I'm not seeing anything as a result of that for whatever reason. See, no matter where you fit in this spectrum, ultimately, all of us have times in our faith when we ask this question. Is my faith worth it? And is it even working? Is my faith worth it? And is it really working? I just want to pause for a second and say, 
it's perfectly okay to ask these questions. As a matter of fact, don't hold them back. God wants to hear them. He knows you're feeling this way. And I think a lot of us go through this tension at some part in our our walk. You know, no different than wanting to make sure your doctor has credentials. I think there are times where we want proof that the person we have trusted with our life has the credibility to do what we are trusting him to do. And so ultimately, like Simeon in this story, are you trusting in Jesus as your Messiah? Are you fully trusting him, the way you live, the way you act, the way you respond to things, as if he's truly your Messiah? Now, some of you are sitting here going, I've heard that word all my life, and I have no idea what it means, Messiah. What is that? That sounds like some kind of, I like saying it because it makes me feel holy, but I don't know what it means. Some of you maybe know what it means and you forgot what it means for your life. I always say, what does it mean on Monday morning? It may sound great in church when you're singing it, but what does it mean for you on Monday morning when the boss is ticking you off? What does Messiah even mean? Well, Messiah as a definition is a leader or savior of a particular group or a cause. And in the Bible, it's, it means the anointed one or the anointed or chosen king. Look at your neighbor and say, king. Say, I'm not a king. <laughs> I'm a bad king. So this king, this Messiah, is the chosen one to save us, in a nutshell. That's the Messiah. That's the one that the people in the Old Testament were waiting on. The Old Testament is the book way before Jesus ever came that was written, that made it for years and years and years. And in the Old Testament of the Bible, it talks about this king over and over, and this Messiah that would come one day to save mankind from their sins. Because God knew that it got completely out of hand from the moment in the Garden of Eden. If you remember the story, Adam and Eve, they sinned, they messed up, and then sin just reigned and ruled. Sin became king. And God said, no, 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 no. It will not be king forever. There will be a new king that will reign and will rule not only this world, but your individual life. Sin isn't king. Say that with me. Sin is no longer king. Jesus is king. He's the Messiah. And that's important to know that. And that's what they lived in in this time period. They waited and and they waited for him to help them and free them from the bondage of their sin. And we see examples of that when Moses led them out of bondage and slavery out of Egypt, which which is the, the mirror of what sin does. It keeps us in bondage. And guess what? The Old Testament ends. (laughs) And no king. No such king. There was a a long period of quiet between the Old and the New Testament. The promise hasn't come. And then we find this man, Simeon. He's still holding on to the hope that maybe before he dies, this Messiah will come. And look again at Luke 2, 25 and 33. It says, There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. 
it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Look, I'm going to tell you, I've, I've talked about this before with some of you who've been here about the word prophecy, where it's basically something that someone says a long time ago and then it happens. And it's very specific. It's not like, there will be men and women born in the earth. That's not a prophecy. That's common sense. It's very specific, and what's crazy is that this Messiah, this Jesus, comes on the scene, and not only uh, does he, he come in and humbly, and we talked about uh, uh, the virgin birth the other day, but he fulfills all of these prophecies. He literally checks off all of these boxes in the Old Testament that we didn't go over this morning, but they're all throughout the Old Testament. He checks off them. There's over 300 of them, specific prophecies and just this is kind of neat to me the mathematically speaking the odds of anyone filling this amount of prophecy is staggering it's staggering so listen mathematicians put it this way one person just one person fulfilling only eight prophecies is one chance in 100 quadrillion Have you ever said quadrillion before? I had to look it up. Just eight prophecies. One chance in 100 quadrillion. Thank you. I was was wild by that. Listen to this. One person fulfilling 48 prophecies. I couldn't even write the zeros out. One chance in 10 to the 157th power. And if you're looking at me like, what does that mean? It means it's a lot. One person, so, one person fulfilling these 300 prophecies, according to mathematicians, there's no chance. No chance. Unless you're Jesus. You see that? We were talking about saints winning the Super Bowl. There's one in whatever chance. And there's always going to be some kind of equation. I think there's even an equation for the Cowboys to get there now. But, I mean... (laughs) And, and there's some other stuff going on there too, but we won't go there. But there's no equation for this. It doesn't exist. Only, only a God can fulfill these promises. Here's a few boxes he checked off. He would be the descendant of King David. He would be born at Bethlehem. At Bethlehem. He would arrive before the destruction of the second temple. The Messiah would present himself by riding on a donkey. Very specific. That was back in the Old Testament, Zechariah 9. The Messiah would be tortured to death. The Messiah would be buried in a rich man's tomb. These are just a few of the many prophecies that give him the credentials on who he said he was, the Messiah. So if it's true that he's the Messiah, if he is the anointed king Why does it matter so much to us? Why is this so important? And you know, if you've grown up in church and you're here and you've been a Christ follower for any period of time and you're yawning right now and you're saying, well, this is an easy question to answer. He came to forgive us of our sins. Duh. That's true, but it's only half of the equation. And that's the tension we live in. That's the issue we have with the awe and wonder of the Messiah, with missing that. See, God didn't send his son 
to only forgive us for our sins. He came to deliver us from our sin. And you may even be thinking that's the same thing, isn't it? Mm -mm. See, we are forgiven from sin when we ask him to forgive us and we place our trust in him. But that doesn't help us in the struggle next time sin wants to become the king of our life again. When you just live in that born-again moment, in that, in that moment where I make a decision that he forgave me, and that's all you ever do, you miss what it means to have him as your Messiah. Forgiveness is about penalty, but deliverance is about power. Jesus is the Messiah, which means he's the Savior, but it also means that he's the anointed king. Savior means he can forgive us of our sins. King means he can rule over sin. He's the only one. Let me give you an example of this. There's a story from the book in the Bible. It was written by one of Jesus' main followers named John. The beloved disciple, which is funny because he calls himself that. Jesus loves me, for this I know. For I tell me so. Anyway. John recalls that this woman was caught in the act of adultery. You'll get that later today. And the religious leaders throw her down and they're going to stone her, this woman that committed adultery. And Jesus steps in the scene, okay? And he calls the whole thing off. We don't see this today because, not because it's not right. It's just because, anyway. He says some tricky stuff. In essence, gets these religious leaders to back off, and then he makes these two statements. And one of these statements he makes in this scene is very popular. The other one is often not told. We stop there. After he asks who is left to condemn her, and she says no one is left, he says this in John chapter 8, verse 11, the second part. He says, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared that. And you see, this deals with the penalty, the forgiveness. But it's often the next one that we miss. Go now and leave your life of sin. Now that deals with power. See, the second greatest leader in all of Christianity, the Apostle Paul, he wrote this about this subject in Romans chapter 6, verse 12 through 14. He says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness for sin shall no longer be your master. See, sin doesn't have to be your master in 2020 because of, the, because of Jesus, the Messiah, and his birth. Anger is not your master or king. Jesus is. Lust is not your master or king. Jesus is. Jealousy is not your master or king. Jesus is. Pride and gossip and envy and hatred and alcohol and drugs and all these issues don't have to be your master or your king. 
Jesus is. Depression, anxiety, emotional sicknesses. That doesn't have to be your king because Jesus is. He is who he said he would be. His promises are true. Man's promises are not. Whose report are you going to believe? That should provide awe and wonder this Christmas season. And I want to give you an example. And John, you can start heading up. I want to give you a a simple application for this new year. Very, very simple and very practical. As you wake up, most of us wake up in the morning now and days, and the first thing we do is make sure people like their Facebook posts. Somebody's, everybody's like, what? How does he know that? <laughs> See how that Instagram post is going. See if those fantasy points, I mean, I don't know who does this, but, you know, did, did I win the fantasy football thing? I mean, that's crazy. People do that stuff. <laughs> anyway, you know what I'm saying? The first thing we do sets the tone for the rest of the day. And so we start off with anxiety and depression and anger and jealousy when we get on those platforms. Open up your Bible app. Or maybe do this as you wake up before you go to work or drop the kids off at school, fixing the breakfast, rushing out, heading to class. Take a second and think about how the extremely credible birth of Jesus provided a king and a master over your sin. And be confident, listen, be confident about how you're not just forgiven for your sin, but you also have the freedom from that sin. Isn't that cool? That's a, that's a huge thing. And then I want you maybe, and if you have a phone, maybe you can take a picture of this next slide. I want you maybe to say this prayer. Maybe it's uncomfortable for you to say written prayers, repeat them, but Jesus kind of taught that and there's prayers that have been in existence for thousands of years. It'll help your mind to think you don't repeat a prayer and just hope that God gives you whatever. No, these prayers need to get in your heart, but maybe you can pray like this. And maybe we can pray this morning. Can you put that slide up, Rachel? Maybe we can pray this prayer together this morning and you can write this down or take a picture and pray it every morning in the new year. Let's pray it together. I commit every member of my body, my eyes, my mouth, my hands, my feet, and every other part of me to you today, Jesus. Say it with me. You are my king, my Messiah. Sin may taunt me. It may bait me. It may even try to seduce me today, but it is not my master. You are my master, my king. A simple prayer, a powerful prayer to set your mind on the awe and wonder of the Messiah. Amen. When you came in this morning, you were given a candle. And I want you, everybody, to get your candle ready. And the ushers are going to come with a, a lighter. You know, Jesus was called the light of the world. And it's only that light that extinguishes the darkness in those dark corners of our life. When that light comes, he doesn't just want to expose sin. He wants to rid your life of it. And so if you would stand with me this morning, the ushers are going to light a candle and you can light the person next to you. And if you have a problem with fire, you can just pretend it's lit, maybe 
put the flashlight on your phone. I don't know. (laughs) And I want us to end this Christmas season. I know we have one more Sunday in December before the new year, but today is the last day that we will gather as the body of Christ, most of us, before Christmas morning. And I want us to truly get that awe. Some of you, man, I can't wait for the holidays over. It's, I'm so frustrated. I'm so tired. Don't let the enemy rob the joy of what Christmas is all about from you this morning. Don't let him steal the awe and wonder of Christmas this morning. And John's going to lead us in a song as we close out this Christmas season. And I want us to carry that into our parties, into our our family gatherings, into Christmas morning, if you have children or grandchildren or whatever the case may be, I want you to carry this light with you into those dark places that you think cannot be overcome because Jesus has overcome the world because he's the Messiah, the King. Amen? Let's go into this Christmas season worshiping together. John's going to lead us. Let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. Oh, candles up I really believe I have a word for some of you this morning and I want you to leave here leading your emotions not letting them lead you the Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things who can trust it don't follow that thing lead that thing and you lead it knowing that he is the Messiah he's the king he crushed the enemy's head he defeated Satan It's over. He thinks he can win, but he can't. And it's because of the light. The light of the world that came this Christmas 2,000 years ago that helps us to conquer sin, death, and the grave and our issues. Make Jesus king. Make him Lord this season. Father, bless them and keep them. May your face shine upon them. May you be gracious to them and give them peace this Christmas season. Help us to be 
and awe and wonder of the Messiah. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Go in peace. God bless you. Blow out your candle. You can keep